Life Church. Oh, thank y'all, thank y'all. Pastor Waltz over in Abilene with them and uh, Pastor David Taylor. I messed up the schedule again and I put them in my place when I'm not there, which means I don't get to hang out with them. And so I just have to hang over and stay over until he gets back. But uh, I wanna start with uh, just a completely random thing. That's not a part of my message. John back there in the media booth always gives me a hard time for not being here, not having animal pictures anymore. And so I was on a walk with Pastor David Bonet and Pastor Shivank at the park this week. And I came across this, uh, this friend here. Um, so I'm just gonna share with y'all one, one of my Bobcat pictures that I find oftentimes at the park in Arlington. And, uh, and so don't worry, it's completely safe as long as you don't feed them and as long as you don't get any closer than I am in that picture. And, uh, and you're, completely, you're completely good. So uh, loving it, having fun, uh, just doing good things and, and loving what's happening with the church and with the Arlington campus school there too. Uh, which is just fantastic and so awesome stuff. We were blessed to be a part of their Christmas production this week. And anyway, lots of stuff is happening, but uh, I just wanna jump in, let's pray and uh, let's get into the word and uh, get started this morning. So Father, I pray that you would give us hope for the destination that you would lead us to, that we would have faith for the journey to get there and that we would know how loved we are and worthy of our calling that you have given us. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Walt and the team decided on this series called Chosen. And I wrestled with what I wanted to speak on in this series and what maybe the Lord would lead me to speak on in this series. And, and one of the things is he led me to a word that I do not like. Uh, so my title this morning is this one word that is not a word that I appreciate uh, but it is a word that I believe God values, and it's a part of who he is. And I believe God chooses preparation. God chooses preparation. I, I, as I was looking at my Bible and, and, and wrestling with what God wanted me to share, I, I couldn't help but look at the beginning of each gospel in this Christmas season. You see, in this Christmas season, we're so busy, oftentimes looking to the birth of our Savior, the greatest rescue plan that could be put together by our heavenly father on this earth, the rescue plan of sending his son, Jesus. But that's not where it began. And even every gospel in, in Matthew, I, I, I used to never appreciate Matthew and, and you know the beginning of Matthew because it's the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew's trying to say, look, I'm trying to show you that the beginning of this rescue plan doesn't begin with the first word in this book. It begins with a long history to show the genealogy of how far back Jesus goes. That it didn't start now, it started generations ago. And I wanna show you something. It kinda reads like the beginning of a Star Wars movie, if you've ever seen that. And you know, but, but I don't like to read the beginning of a Star Wars movie. Anybody with me? You're like, I just wanna skip past the yellow text scrolling on the screen. Let me just get to the movie. Let me, let me get to the action. Let me not read the details of what began a long time ago. And then Mark, Mark comes in. Now Mark didn't have very much time under persecution that the Christians were facing. And Mark just kind of, he just kind of skips a whole lot of stuff. But, but even Mark, even with his limited time and capacity of writing down this recording, even Mark begins with John the Baptist, not launching the birth of Jesus, but still launching the ministry of Jesus. So even Mark doesn't begin with Jesus. John, we look at John. John is this beautiful uh, kind of poetic theological stance of in the beginning was the 
Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that was made was made through this Word. It, he goes on to give us this information that is still, God is showing us through John writing this gospel that it didn't begin with this moment. It, there was a preparation that was in place that this began so long ago. If you never had the Old Testament as a Christian and all you had was the New Testament coming into this faith, the writers are all trying to show us that it even, didn't even begin with just the birth of our Savior. It began with the preparation that God had put into place for such a long time. And that brought me to Luke and the story of Luke in this Preparation Again, this word that I don't like, I dislike the word preparation so much that in my annual viewing of Home Alone this year, now that my kids are adults and they're no longer in the house, like we don't even like, we, I don't even know if my wife's don't watch it with me anymore, like <laughs> I feel like we've, we've seen it so many times, but, but even now I just get past all the story building part. Like let me just get to the action, let me get to the micro machines and the, and the broken stuff and the iron and let me just get to all of that stuff and move past the preparation but we need to be mindful of what God's looking to do. And in Luke chapter one, we find a beautiful story that's often kind of missed and, and skipped past, like the same thing that we would tend to do in movies or stories or maybe sometimes even things in our life. We, we, we wanna skip the instructions and just get busy with the assembly. Some of you fathers are already, you know what you bought for your kids this Christmas and you're like, you're like oh man. Christmas Eve is I gotta be putting this together, whatever that might be. You know what's coming. It, it's, it's all those things and in this story, I may not have given all the text to our amazing team back there in the media booth so they may not have these first scriptures because I don't remember if I gave it to them. But in Luke chapter one, let's just jump into the text here. In verse five of Luke one, it says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order and I'll just skip the, the other words. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. I love this, this picture, righteous in God's eyes. Careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. And I wanna take just a rabbit trail moment here for just a moment. It says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, yet they were facing a difficult situation in their life. Too often we identify ourselves with our situation rather than our God. And I want you to know today that if someone is facing a challenge in your life, you are not the problem you are facing. And the problem you are facing is not what defines you, it is your heavenly father that defines you. And the word of God here says they are righteous in God's eyes, yet they have a difficulty that they're facing. And so many times we become the difficulty we are facing. We find our identity in those things, but yet the word of God here gives us a clear picture that they are not this situation. They are righteous in God's eyes. In verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary and angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth 
for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He, he must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. How about some of us claim that today? Someone in our life today, you're like, yes, claim many people, claim many family members this Christmas to the Lord their God. Claim my spouse to the Lord their God. You know, even they might be here with you and be even saved, but you're still believing uh, they're gonna be claimed. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will be, he will prepare, there's that word, preparation. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. But Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. There's one of those times where we kind of rebuttal against God. So many times we're looking for a word from God, we're believing for a miracle from God, and yet when God brings something to us, we tend to have a, well, but God kind of situation. Zechariah, could you imagine an old man, he's been believing for a child, for an heir, for a lineage for so long, and his response to this angel in this moment of awe is still a rebuttal. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Proper time. The words will be fulfilled at the proper time. Could you imagine the situation that Zechariah is facing? Believing for a miracle in his life. Who here is believing for a miracle in your life? Could you imagine being in a situation of worship and then all of a sudden hearing a voice of God in your life or seeing Jesus or, or just even the unction of the Spirit inside you or the Holy Spirit is pressing upon you a particular word, a particular feeling. And you've been waiting for this, but yet when it comes... You find yourself in such disbelief that the very thing you've been hopeful for cannot be believed in your situation. The, 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 the circumstances seem too dire in my situation. The, the report from those people just seems too negative in my situation. The actions of that relative just seem too bad in my situation that even though all of a sudden someone even gives me a prophetic word to lift me out of this dark place and shine light on my life, I still struggle to believe it. Is that not sometimes Christmas for us? So many of us, so many of us, we, we, we put the lights on the outside while it's still dark on the inside. We know it's a season of great joy, yet we just can't get out of sadness. For so many of us in this time, we're, we're, we're believing for amazing things, but yet I can only find my brain reminding me of the terrible things. And I find myself in this, this loop, this trap, this echoing of all the negativity, all the self-doubt, all the shame that even though I might get a word from God, I can't yet somehow receive this word. I sometimes find myself like Zechariah, who becomes mute in the situation. 
He comes out of this situation and he comes out of the sanctuary. By the way, today I didn't plan on speaking on Zechariah. I preached this message initially two weeks ago in Arlington campus and, and my plan was to bring that message here, but yet, and, and it was really focused on Elizabeth in this situation, but yet today I felt the Lord press upon me that somebody needs this Zechariah story today. That somebody needs to see this side of this story of Zechariah. And it's a challenging one that we see. And it says in verse 23, when Zechariah is weak of service. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Wait a second, Zechariah. You just got mute in the midst of your situation. And you went back to work? <laughs> like, I got some managers and some bosses in here. Like, they're ready to say amen. They're like, Zechariah didn't even get the chance to call in sick. He got mute. I don't know about you, but it'd be like one of those situations. It'd be like, and of course, I mean, I don't know how you call in sick to work if you're mute, but that's a whole other thing. But like, but in the I don't know about you, but like, can I just call in sick to work if I can't talk anymore? But yet Zechariah, in the midst of his situation, says when his week of service in the temple was over, he then returned home. Because so often, here's what I want to give you a picture of today, is so often, even in the midst of getting a promise from God, sometimes we think it's an immediate thing and it's a right here, right now. But Zechariah had to wait this out. Zechariah, in the midst of what do you do when you can't speak anymore? What do you do when you can't do the thing that you are normally used to doing anymore? And I got a picture here of Zechariah. What do he do? He went back to work. Do work while waiting. That sometimes we get a word from God that doesn't make sense. We get a promise from God that doesn't make sense. Someone gave us an encouragement that doesn't make sense because it doesn't line up with our circumstances. And we don't even know what to do about this possible miracle in this moment. What do you do? Stay faithful to what you know to do in this moment. Zechariah stayed in the temple. And I don't talk about you, especially guys. You might be with me this morning. He had a really good reason, by the way, if he did believe this promise of God, he had a really good reason to go home. He was basically told, go home and have a kid. How many of you were like, I need that kind of word from God. I, I need, I need uh, all the spouses in here. Like if we could have a marriage conference right here this morning. Zechariah was found in the temple. All the wives were like, yeah, yeah. All right, let's find you in the temple for seven days and maybe a little less talking and uh, a <laughs> little more dishes, a little less talking. We'll get this marriage going real quick. And, uh, and Zechariah, he's got a real good reason to go home. But yet in the midst of this, he goes back to work. Because sometimes when we don't know what to do, I think the thing to do is work. And now that might be a serving in whatever ministry that you're called to and what God's leading you in. And that might be the kind of work of getting down on your knees at the altar and just continuing to say, God, I may even struggle in my faith, but if you can lead me in this, this promise, this word, this thing that you're speaking into my life or my family's life or my work, my job, my finances, whatever it might be, God, but I will stay in this place with a faith and, and with all the faith that I have within me, believing for the promise that you're giving. And I won't leave this place until I'm ready to act on this very promise, until I'm willing to, to do the thing that you call me to do. I think so many of us, we need the faithfulness of Zechariah in the midst of the faith that we need. And that if we can stay faithful in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our devotion, in the midst of our prayer, in the midst of our worship, in the midst of our honor, if we can stay faithful in those situations, I believe we will help pave the way for the promise of God. 
so many times I've seen in the church over many years, people get a promise from God and they actually quit doing the necessary work that they were called to in the moment to chase the promise. All of a sudden, oh, I'm called to be a, a preacher, or I'm called to start this or do that, and, and they, they let go of the thing that they were being faithful to when the promise came, but what we see with Zechariah is like, no, 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 the promise of God came in the midst of my faithfulness to this thing, I'll continue that thing until I can fulfill the duty of the promise that God has on my life. Don't let go of the faithfulness that you have right now that has brought the word of God. Say faithful to what you know to be true, what you know to do in the right here in the right now while you find God's promise in your life. Too many of us wanna, we wanna move on from the work. Uh, Philippians 2, I'll, I'll read this, this text. I think I marked it here in Philippians 2 and um, in verse 12. I didn't give this to the team. So you have this in your Bible. You can, you can uh, poke there or flip there, whichever works for you. It says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work out your salvation, as you might be familiar with some text, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. But continue the work and believing for God to fulfill the promise. We need the faithfulness of God. But we also need the faith of Elizabeth. And we won't ignore the other half of this, this marriage, this, this amazing situation, this amazing couple and their righteousness. And, and we skip down and and we'll skip the section here of uh, the, the birth of Jesus being foretold and going to Mary as, as we may be hearing in this series and next Sunday. But in, in verse 39, I love this picture. So Zechariah, oh, by the way, let me, let me actually finish. Let me just go back. Uh, verse 24, we'll finish the Zechariah parts. In verse 24, soon after his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into the seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And then we skip down, and I love this picture when Mary is also getting a promise. So Elizabeth has a promise, and Mary has a promise. And it says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. Mary's going to visit her relatives. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this picture. As these two people came together, and there was such a joy and experience that came in this situation. And I don't know about you, but too many times when I'm in my life, the other thought that I had is I tend to shut down. I'm already an introvert by, by like naturally, and I tend to shut down and close up and stay and hold the promise of God within my own life and not share it with somebody. But yet all of a sudden we see Mary and Elizabeth getting together and a picture of great joy coming forth in the midst of their situation. And it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit because you know what sometimes we need to do in the midst of the miracle that we're believing for and the promise of God that we have in our lives? 
is we need to meet with someone else who has a promise of God in their life. We need to meet with somebody else who's also had a word from God, who's maybe even come through the promise and the miracle, who's come through the other side of what God was working in their life, or maybe also believing in the same moment. And instead of finding ourselves in seclusion away from other people, we need to find ourselves connecting with other people. What we need are more Elizabeths in this church. What we need are more Elizabeths in this community. Could you imagine a community when you have a promise of God, a spark inside of you, something that is waiting to come forth, and you're out in community, and someone else who doesn't even know Jesus, doesn't even know this thing, but yet all of a sudden connects with you, and all of a sudden there's a spark between the two of you. There's a life between the two of you. There's a life coming forth between the two of you. Why? Because there's a, there's a promise of God in their life that they may not even know yet, along with the promise of God in your life, and all of a sudden you come together and they're like, what is this that's taking place? And you're saying, it is my God, it is my Jesus, because he has a greater plan and destiny for your life that you do not yet know. And let me take you to the place where we can find it together, where we can discover this promise. What if we were Elizabeth's going into our community and being available to those around us with promises of God within us, saying, yes, here's the light, Here's the greater thing that he has for us in our family, in our community, in our workplace. We need to have all of us together with these promises, with these, these ideas, with these imaginations of what God is doing and coming together. That's why church is so important. That's why these moments are so important. And that we come into this space, not with our negativity and our woes, with our doubts, we come into this space, and even if we bring those things, we bring the darkness to the light where the darkness cannot continue to hold ground because it has no other option other to leave in the light of Jesus. And we bring those things into this place. We bring those things up to the altar. We bring those things into our worship. We say, Jesus, you are greater than these things in these situations and we connect with one another and there's an explosion of joy and peace that comes in the midst of our relationships beyond understanding beyond comprehension of the natural but god don't i have every reason in the midst of this darkness to also be depressed to be down and maybe sometimes just need to be silent and allow the angel of the lord to speak be silent and allow God's promise to resound in our spirits, to be silent and yet still walk out faithfulness. I love this picture of Mary and Elizabeth coming together. We need to spend more time with other people also believing for miracles while we're still believing for our miracle. Mary shows up to Elizabeth and I'm, I'm kind of focused on Elizabeth, but I focused on Mary because sometimes in the midst of our situations, we get a promise and maybe we don't even have a promise. But our friend got a promise. Our friend's believing. Maybe they don't even have a word from God, but they're just taking some scripture. And they're like, man, in Zephaniah 3.17, it talks about the Lord is singing over us, talking about God's chosen people, and, and they're, all, they're holding on to that scripture, being, I believe, and I just got great joy, because I believe the Lord is singing over me. 
The Lord is singing over my family. The Lord is singing over my church. The Lord is singing over whatever my situation is. And I believe there's just a great joy and you're just over here like, yeah, but I don't have that. And what I love in this picture, well, I love what I don't see here. I don't see Mary showing up to Elizabeth who is months down the road of her pregnancy and Mary bringing her promise and being like, oh, but, but you know, but, but what is my miracle in the light of your miracle? You're so much further along, Elizabeth. You're so much further down this road of, of this work that God is doing in your life and, and how can I possibly walk out my miracle? Mary doesn't do that. Can we, uh, can we eliminate the unnecessary comparisons of miracles and promises and, and expectations that we place upon ourselves? Can we eliminate these things and believe the, as Gabriel said, the proper time? Can I, can I let go of control? Can I take hold of the faith that there is a preparation at work and that if I don't see the miracle yet, I believe God is still preparing me now. If I don't see the miracle yet, God is still preparing me now. Just because I don't see the birth of the Savior yet doesn't mean God is not working now. Just because I don't see the breakthrough yet doesn't mean that God is not working now. And I take hold of this preparation concept that always God is at work. God was at work for centuries from the beginning of time to to lead to Jesus' birth. And if God would prepare that much, then can I believe that God is preparing in my life right here and right now? What is your miracle? What are you believing for? What are you needing this season? What is God speaking to you? How's the preparation going? What are you holding on to? What are you doing? In verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Today, I believe we are in need of hope. We are in need of encouragement. But here's the final thing I want to make sure that we grasp here today. Is God has used these two amazing women and their husbands to bring forth amazing miracles into this this world. And one, to even pave the way and set forth an example and, and, and prepare the people for the coming of the Savior in this situation. But yet God in the midst of these two women carrying these miracles would orchestrate this meeting between these two women to experience this great joy, which tells me that these two women are not just carriers of a promise, but that God truly cares and loves for them. That he would orchestrate this promise and this experience for them to go through in the midst of care. Mary is more than just the promise that she carries. She is a promise herself. 
Elizabeth is more than the promise of God on her life. She herself is also a miracle of God. And so often we become identified even with the promise that we might even receive, with the prophetic word that somebody gave us, and yet when we cannot see it, we become discouraged. But I'm here to tell you today, you are more valuable than the calling that you have on your life. God wants to use you to accomplish a great thing in this world and a great thing in your family and your workplace, but you are, not you are not valued based on the thing that he expects you to do. You are valued because you are his. You are more valuable than the thing that you are called to accomplish. You are more, more precious than the promise that you carry. It has its own reward, its own value, its own thing, but God loves you. And so you may be even believing for a miracle and healing from the, whatever that doctor's report was, and you become identified with the thing that if I can just get that healing, but let me tell you today, to stay faithful as Zechariah in your situation with the faith of Elizabeth to walk it out. Stay faithful as Zechariah in the promise of God while being full of faith like Elizabeth to carry forth the promise of God and to recognize that it is not just about the thing that you were called to do. It is you. God loves you. And he loves you while you are still waiting to behold and take hold of preparation in your life. He loves you when you are still in doubt like Zechariah uh, that is unable to believe the promise of God. He loves you when you are unable to speak because you don't know the right thing to say. He loves you when you are just in, in, in a place of destroy, He loves you when you feel like you're doing everything right, like the righteousness of Zechariah and Elizabeth, yet everything else seems to still be going wrong. He loves you even when you are with faith and faithfulness, carrying out the promise of God, because it's not just about that promise, it's about you. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son for you. Not for your works. Not for what you have to accomplish. For you. This Christmas, I believe that each and every one of us has a promise of God. That God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. Some of you know it, some of you doubt it. Some of you are in a place of trying to believe it and take hold of it. Some of you are seeking. You're showing up today on a day like today and I don't, you're like, I don't, I'm just, it's Christmas time, I'm just trying to make a family member happy and, and put a smile on someone's face or I, I just don't know, it's just a thing we do on Christmas. Uh, you know, you're, 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 the, you're the Christer Christian, that's fine. You're here, you're at church on Christmas and Easter and so it's about that time. And, uh, and so you're here today. Maybe you're, you're, you're so in desperate need from a promise of God because the darkness seems to be looming so great in your life that if I don't get a promise today, if I don't get a word from God today, then tomorrow may not even come. And God would orchestrate this moment for you to be here, to receive a promise in your life.
for you to know that there's a calling on your life, for you to know there's a love in your life, that there's a great joy in your life, that God wants to place his Holy Spirit in your life, that things would come forth that don't make sense in the natural because of what he's doing in the supernatural. And God is looking to do a mighty and great work. But not just because of what he is hoping to accomplish in this world, that don't get me wrong, we will not downplay the work that God wants to accomplish in this work and the work that he wants to the work in this world and the work that he wants to accomplish through you. But it's the fact that he wants to accomplish it in you. Because you are more valuable than just a calling on your life. Because God loves you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? <laughs> Father, we thank you for this picture that we see of the faithfulness of Zechariah and the faith of his wife Elizabeth. We thank you for their example of righteousness, devotion. May we be encouraged today by their story. A story of preparation, the greatest rescue plan on earth is about to take place. And yet in the midst of this, you even begin with another family, with another promise, another miracle. God, I'm believing for a miracle in my life as I believe many are here today. May we be encouraged by the miracles of others by the breakthroughs of others. May you give us Elizabeths in our life. May you give us situations of connecting with others. May you lead us into the faithfulness of Zechariah and the faith of Elizabeth in our own lives, walking out our devotion and righteousness. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. I'd like to lead everyone here this morning in a simple prayer and online. And just a real easy prayer for us to just repeat. And, and maybe you're in this place and you've given your life to Jesus. And, and maybe this is a, a Christmas full of wonderful lights. And maybe this is a Christmas of still yet lights to be put up because it's still dark. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus at all. Or you're just here in desperate need. We all stand together in one accord, in unity of faith, regardless of where we are in our journey, to pray this together. And everybody just repeat after me and say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Forgiver. Thank you for rescuing me from the darkness of my situations in life and bringing me into the lights. Thank you for miracles taking place in my life, in my family, in my work, and in my community. Empower me to be the light of Jesus this Christmas, to carry miracles to anywhere you send me, that I would walk in obedience with words of hope and words of faith for my life and those around me to glorify your name 
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen.